Okay, so yeah, in the previous share, we did the introduction regarding the blowing of the shofar, or rather the not blowing of the shofar on Shabbos and the questions associated with that. How is it possible for uh, such an important mitzvah, Saseda Iraisa, such an important positive commandment as enumerated in the Torah to be um, overridden because of a, uh, a concern that possibly those ignorant of the laws of Shabbos would transgress the laws of Shabbos. We then went on and asked questions about why Rosh Hashanah is on the sixth day of creation, which commemorates the creation of man, rather than the first day of creation, which um, would seem more appropriate. This is usually, um, when these questions are asked, it's usually associated with the Dibra Maschil of Zeha Yom Techilas Masecha. This is the day, the beginning of your work. This was the beginning, you know, this is the beginning of your work. The beginning of your work was on the 25th of Tishrei, Elul, not the 1st of Tishrei. Um, he also asked, why in the Torah does it not elaborate at all how Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment? Um, and it's something that we only find in Torah about Peh. Um, Marumas obviously hinted at in the Psukim, but nothing explicit in Teresh Bichsal. We then brought two Midrashim, which is really going to be the foundation, foundational guide of this Hemshech. You might think that the whole Hemshech is really a beer on these two Midrashim. The first Midrash we brought, something is well known from Shaykh Bermunah, that in the outside Hashem, intended to create, and also from the first Rashi and the, the first Pasuk in the Torah, the outset Hashem intended to create the world with Din, as indicated by the Pasuk, Pleshez Bar Elikim, Shem Elikim is associated with Dinim, and in the end he saw that the world was not able to maintain itself, and therefore included Midas Harachamim. Um, and that's indicated in the Pasuk of B'yema Seisavaya Elikim Eretz V'Shamayim. So we asked if Hashem is Makirat um, Chesed, if Hashem is by nature good, and the nature of the person who's good is to do good, why would he want to create the world with sternness, with judgment, with strict strictness? It would seem more appropriate. Hashem would want to create the world with Racham. And that is a question we're going to start examining in the third Maimon fourth maim and the fifth maim. Why did Hashem want to create the world with Midas Hadin? What does it mean, Midas Hadin? Why would Hashem want to create the world with Midas Hadin? Um, we then brought a second medrash, which is a moshul on the first medrash, of the moshul of the king with his fragile cups um, and where, where he to put hot water in, they would crack, where to put cold water in, they would congeal and become filthy. Um, and this was, and so he decided to mix the waters together so it should be lukewarm or sort of not extreme hot, not extreme cold, and then with the hope that they would um, be okay. Similarly, when Hashem created the world, could have, if he would have had too much midas adin, um, then no one would have been able to cope with Hashem's level of of, of strictness. 
And if he would have been too merciful, then um, it wouldn't have been possible. Uh, it, there would have been lots of sinners. Everyone would have thought there'd be a free ride. Hashem will always forgive me. So either way, it would have been. It wouldn't have worked. So in the end, he put them together in hopes that it would all work out. We already noted how uh, the marshal of the original over the original medrash is is not so exact. Um, there are diff certain differences. And those are things we're going to pick up a lot more when we learn it the eon. At the moment, we're just trying to read through. To remember, um, just to read through, so we have some material to work with. You know, you can spend hours introducing the Hemshech Ranat. And you never learned the Hemshech or not. So why not, let's learn some of the Hemshech, especially the first two Maimarim. And then we'll have something to talk about and we'll start to be able to appreciate the significance of this Hemshech, which is extremely significant. So for the rest of this Maimah and for the next Maimah, the, hem, the, the emphasis is going to be is trying to understand the Moshul of Kaisis. Of when, it, when it brings a Moshul, it uses a term Kais. What is this being meramas? What, what is it? What is being hinted at by saying by by the medrash being a marshal of cases? Okay, ubira marshalhu. So to explain this marshal, it's well known the bechinas malchus nikra case that malchus is often referred to as a case. So just the the the, the sort of the rudimentary. Uh, components of a kais is what? It's a receptacle, right? What is the function of a kais? It is able to hold things, primarily liquid. You think of a kais, you think of liquid, right? Liquid, if it doesn't have a kais, what happens to it? It spills all over the place, right? So the cup is madbil. It contains something which would otherwise be uh, misbash it without any something that would spread without any containment. So that's the function of a case. Um, a case also is the means by which you can drink. Yeah? So if you want to drink water, you can drink from a water fountain. That, that's one model. Take it directly from the source of, of some things. But you would say that the in, in some ways the, the water fountain is itself like a replacement for the case. But ordinarily, to drink liquid, you need a case. So, um, that is, I mean, if we're thinking, what is a case? If we're using it as a marshal, that is what a case is. So, malchus is itself nimshal the case. So, we start, when we talk about malchus, about silas, um, we refer to it as a case. So, why? what would be the association with malchus in a case? Malchus receives from the spirits from above it. Usually we say Malchus Malchus itself is not is not a producer. It doesn't have its own identity. It is a recipient um, and it functions as a container for the spirits alienus. The nine other spirits are nimshach are drawn down into Malchus. And so as such Malchus is understandably referred to as a kois. Yeah? Like it says in Tehillim, A cup of salvation I will lift up. So David Amelech, in the grander scheme of things, is referred to, is also associated with Malchus. 
he's a king, right? Uh, he's, a, he's a symbol of, 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 of um, sovereignty. So David is a king. And... Thanks. Shopping. Um, so David said about himself that I will lift up this cup of salvation and the cup of salvation was a self-reference. Self he is a case, David's a case, because Malthus is a case. And similarly, that's where it's in all those places in the Zaya, it's referred to as such. And over there so you look in the Zion, Pashas Vayichi, Knesset Yisrael, which is also a Madrega, so sort of the the Knesset of Yisrael, the sort of the the collective, Knesset Loshin collective, the sort of the 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 all in, the congregation of Israel, as it's all congregated, it's all collected, is also called a Kais Shabracha, a cup of blessing. So we see there that the kois is a particular darga in Malchus. So here it calls it Yesoid Nukfa. So Malchus is also called um, an Akeva. So we're going to go on to the marshal of why a woman is also called a kois, why a woman is considered to be a receptacle. Um, and plays a part, a significant part in this marshal. So in Malchus itself, which is called Nukva, the level of Yesoid Nukva is called a Kais. Okay, and that's therefore why Kais is the Gematria Elikim. What's the Gematria of Elikim? 86, no. Elikim is uh, Mem, Lamed, 70. 86. Kois is 86. Samach Chav Vav 86, right? Same grammatic. So Kais and Elikim, as we're going to see, Elikim is also associated with the level of Malchus. What does it mean when it says Yisaid Nukva? I don't know. Um, and for the purposes of this Maima, the emphasis is it, not something that's elaborated on. Um, yes, check the table. Um, the I think the, the 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 reference over here is that it's associated with Malchus. It's called you say the Nukva, case you say the Nukva. So we see case the Nukva, case of Malchus are correlates. The Malchus So you know the Meirei wants to say it's you say Nukva, which is a particular darge in Malchus, but the Rebbe Rashab says. Just in general, um, and that's that's what he wants to bring out. He's bringing a lot of times you'll find that in in Chassidus you get quotes. It brings sort of references, you know, bring a rai from the Torah. Not every time say something. So the rai is you got a rai from the Zaya, a rai from here. So it's pretty clear that there's a, a associative there's association between kais and malchus. So when we look at this, if we want to be explain the marshal of the medrash which revolves around the concept of a kais, what is the reference here to a kais? So first of all, kais is associated with malchus. 
And here he goes and explains why. The, so, so it's not just expecting you to accept it on, uh, you know, the Kabbalah's oh, that a kais is malthus just because it says so in the Zaya. Explain, there's a reason why kais and malthus are associated. Just like a cup is a tool with which to receive in it wine or water, Malchus similarly serves a function of receiving all of the effusions and the revelations from the levels which precede it, which are above it. Yeah? And here, in order to explain that, he's going to give a marshal. Because we're talking about certain abstract things. Malchus is very abstract to us. So, Kumay al derech marshal had dibur. And like, by way of example, dibur, speech. Hu hakli, shaboinim shachim, mumislabshim, kichzanefesh, seichalamidiskuli. Speech is a tool which is used to receive within it all of the um, abilities of the soul, be they intellectual or be they emotional. Um, and as we're going to find out, broadly speaking, Dibur is associated with Malchus. When we talk about Hashem's Dibur, we're talking on the level of Malchus. So Malchus and Dibur are associated, we've already indicated, we've hinted at the idea of a woman is also connected. So these are going to be key to our stages of the marshal of figuring out, of applying what it says here in the Medrash um, to various different scenarios. We want to understand um, Malchus a little bit better. We want to understand Dibur a little bit better. And we want to understand women a little bit better. And all of them are going to be instructive and helpful in gaining a broader picture. They're not all just the same thing in just another guise. Each one of those things has a different uh, twist to the notion of a Kli. But until now, until this stage, our concept of a, of a Kais is primarily that it's what? It's a receptacle. Yeah, its main function is it, it receives. Yeah, which is well, you know our basic understanding of a case. Um, so just like in human speech, which is a receptacle for um, the person's consciousness, be it intellectual or emotional, um, so too Malchus, which we refer to as a Shem speech, Dibra Elyin, is a receptacle for all of the Hashpa, all of the various Giluyim and revelations that come from the other nine spheres. And that's why it's also called Knesset Yisrael. Why Knesset Yisrael? Shehi Koineses Beseicha Kola Giluyim Vahoyres Elyin in the Bechinas Yisrael de la So the term Knesset Yisrael is associated with Malthus. Why? Because it's Koineses Yisrael. Yisrael is a reference to um, the spheres, the, the higher spheres, mainly Zor. So Knesset Yisrael is the one that, Koineses Yisrael, the one that 
contains and collects and receives all of the um, revelations of Yisrael. So we've got a lot of Kabbalistic terminology. Nukva, Knesset Yisrael, Dibur Ha'elyein. Um, all of them, though, are referring to Malchus. This level of Malchus of Atzilus. And and it's for this very same reason it's called a case as well. Just like it's called Knesset Yisrael Malchus, it's also called a case. So case is our term. But the, the main func feature of case that is being translated into the level of Malchus is specifically its capacity to receive, to be a receptacle. Okay? Omar so this is what it says in the Zayhar, which we just quoted above a few lines earlier in Vayichi, that Knesset Yisrael, which we now know is the level of Malchus, which is able to contain with it the level of Yisrael, the spirits from above it, is called a Kais Shabracha, a cup of blessing. Why? The Yadua, well, sorry, the if now we've established that Malchus, which is called Knesset Yisrael, is also called a Kais, we now understand why in the Zayhar it refers, it says that Knesset Yisrael are called a Kais Bracha. So all of the, you can add up all the dots and they all uh, create uh, a supportive uh, collective. The Yadu, and it's known, the Knesset Yisrael, when we refer to Knesset Yisrael, this level of Malchus, which we call Knesset Yisrael, what do we mean by it? Why do we call it Knesset Yisrael? Because it's the Shedrushu Mokir, the Neshamas Yisrael. It's the source of the Neshamas, of the Bnei Yisrael. The Lachen Kasev, Havaya Menas Chalki V'Kaisi. And that's why it also says that Havaya Hashem is my portion and my cup. Why do we say that Hashem is my cup? We're referring, when we say that Hashem is my cup, in Tehillim, we're meaning that we originate from this supernal level of Knesset Yisrael, of Malchus of Atzilus, which is the source of the Nisrael. So we've brought a whole range of references from Pesukim and Tehillim, from the Zayar, um, of how this term Kois has... Uh, has a context. When the Medrash comes along and says, there was a king who had kosis. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's something behind that word which is more, uh, is more fulsome than just a, a, a random sort of marshal. And we're going to build on this idea of kosis. So our first port of call is to say that kosis is a reference to Malchus of Atzilus. When we learned the Marshall, what did we say Kais was a reference to? The world. To the world. In the the Marshall ah. to the Nimshal of the world. And here we're saying it's Malchus Vatsilis. And we know that the whole creation of the world funnels through, it becomes possible through Malchus Vatsilis. So if you're going to talk about the world, don't talk about the world necessarily, this continent, that continent, the, the physicality of this world. Go back to the, the origin. That is the world. That is where the world is uh, becomes viable. The world became viable in Malchus of Atzimus. But in the meantime, we've added on a whole load of things. We've got Dibur, we've got Isha, we've got Yisrael. 
the Mokka Neshamas Yisrael, right? The Mokka Neshamas Yisrael is um, is Malchus of Atzilus. So Yisrael also has this component of being like a Kais too. We refer to Hashem, he's our Kais. You know, this is our origin. And this is the concept of fragile cups that was mentioned in the Medrash. The main reference, intention of this Moshul of Kaisas Dakin is to the origin of Nasham Sisrol, Knesset Sisrol de la Eila, Malchus of Atzillus, and to the product of Malchus of Atzillus, the, the product of Knesset Sisrol, the Nasham Sisrol Amata, to us. We are the Kaisas. As we said, when the Medrash was talking, it was referring to what the creation of the world in more general terms, not specifically to Malchus of Atzillus and not specifically to the Neshamas The reason why that is the case is because the whole creation of the world is a product of Malchus, which is called a case. So therefore, he calls the whole world a case. So the 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 reference to case does refer to the world in all of it, in, in in its entirety, but most specifically, and, mo, and the main intention of it is neshama sisra. Um, which one? You see. It's a, it's a commentary. Sefer Kabbalah. Okay. So that is sort of, in a way, another introduction. Setting us up. Taking Kois, and now we've understood it uh, in, in sort of the... We've, we've put it into the context in which we're going to think about it. Um, what does it... Um, what, is, what does it mean to be... What is significant about case? It's not just about what goes into the case. It's not just about the midas adin and midas alachamim. It's about the the impact or the relevance it has to the thing it interacts with, which is the case. So when Hashem says midas adin midas alachamim, He's talking about what is He going to be nimshach into malchus vatzilus? What is He going to be nimshach into Knesset Yisrael? Originally, He wanted to be mamshach into malchus midas adin, so the world was not able to survive. So he mixed together mitzarachimim in order for the world to be functioning. What difference? What would be a world that would be created from a malthus that was dominated by mitzarachimim? What would it be a world that was dominated by mitzarachimim? More importantly, what would be, uh, and the main intention is, what would be the case in the Shams Yisrael? So let's first understand what are the, what is, what is this kois in whatever, in, what is this case referring to? What is the Moshna case? What does it hint? What does it refer to? So, so to explain the concept as follows. To understand this concept, that what we've just said, that the Neshamas Yisrael, meaning, you know, us, and our origin, our source, our Moke, which is called Knesset Yisrael which is in Malchus Vatzilus, is called a case. So inyanhu, the idea is as follows: in a yedua, it's known that Hakadosh Baruch Hu Knesset Yisrael nikra b'shem chasen 
the Kala. The relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael. Now, specifically, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is usually a reference to Zo of Atzilus, the spirits of Chesed, the first Nesach Heid, Yisoyed, and Knesset Yisrael is Malchus. So the relationship between Zo and Malchus is commonly referred to as the relationship between a chosan and a kala, a man and a woman, a bride and a groom. So it says in Shia Shirim, on the day of his wedding, and in the Mishnah, it says in that this reference in Shia Shirim is a reference to Matan Teirah. Matan Teirah was like the chasna, was the wedding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Shammah Sisrael, the Knesset Sisrael. Ukmaya derech moshul yichud ish ve'isha. And it's uh, to be, um, this is, what is this relationship between, how do we understand the relationship of Zohar and Malchus? If we're going to call it a chas mekale, you have to understand what is the relationship between a chas mekale, it's a moshul. So what is the relationship between a chas mekale? What is the relationship and in the union and the sexual union of a man and a woman what happens when a, a man marries a woman they engage in sexual relations what happens that the male the 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 the, the groom has semen and that semen originates in from his brain which this is a, a well, in, in rabbinic literature, we have the idea that uh, the, the brain is the source of the semen and it travels down the, the shidra, down the spine. But more generally, the, 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 the hormones are produced through the operation of the brain and a person is able to produce semen. So scientifically, it's not that way. Hmm? Scientifically, it's not so. Well, it's a variation of it. Um, you don't have to be so exacting. It's not a myth. But for our purposes, what is the? Uh, we're not so much interested in the science of it. We're more interested in the fact that when uh, the the production of semen is a production of the potential for creation. And what do you create? You don't create something um, that is inanimate. You don't produce something that is deficient. It's the idea that you're able to convey the whole uh, the whole notion of a human being, including and, and most significantly their intellectual ability. So through this putrid piece of uh, bodily fluid, is able to convey the DNA, the the, the, the possibilities of reproduction, reproducing a sentient human being someone with consciousness, someone with intellect. So the father, or here in the case of the, 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 the groom, is able to contribute and provide semen, which um, is, is fully packed with uh, the potential for uh, human reproduction. Like it's well known, there's a, there's a major difference between the way in which a teacher is able to convey knowledge and intellect and uh, understanding of things 
which we would describe as a shefer ruchnis, when, when a teacher conveys ideas, um, he's conveying something which is intangible. Right? It's an idea. He's communicating an idea. The idea is intangible. And that's what we call a shefer ruchnis. That's a big difference between Ubein hashboys hatipa, shehi hashboys gashmis. But when someone shares semen, a drop of semen, that is physical. You're not conveying an idea, the concept of humanity, the concept of uh, anushis, the concept of uh, what it means to be a human being. You're conveying a piece of bodily fluid, something physical. When you convey something conceptual, an idea, then you're really not conveying intellect, the very intellect of the very intellect itself, you're, you're, you're conveying a, what we call a ha'ara of it, something like a reflection of it, uh, an impression of it. The, per the teacher knows something. He understands something. He can't just take what he understands and implant it in the student's mind. He has to explain to him. He has to teach him or her and um, explain the idea. And it just becomes a reflection of the thing that he has. So he has something in himself an intellectual idea, which he understands. And he gives over an impression of it, what we call the ha'ara of it. But the student doesn't receive the teacher's intellect. What is the proof of that? The, the student doesn't all of a sudden immediately acquire the status of intellectual ability as the teacher. He remains the student. Somebody who themselves is not particularly intelligent, doesn't, can, doesn't possess very sophisticated intellectual skills. doesn't matter how much you're going to teach them, it's not going to help. They can't get it. There needs to be a student who has their own intellectual abilities, that they can process the information, and then develop it. They could potentially, over time, develop and become greater than the teacher. But that moment, that uh, that teaching moment where the teacher teaches the student, the student doesn't um, automatically acquire that knowledge. Like it's a, a known phrase, you can't, you can't pull down a head on someone's shoulders. If someone doesn't have a head, <laughs> You can teach them from the is Morgan. You can teach them all day and light. doesn't make a difference. They're not going to understand. The, the student has to previously have certain intellectual abilities. And were it to be the case, that in fact, that when you do teach ideas, the ideas themselves, the intellectual idea is itself conveyed and not just an impression of it. Then the case would be that even were the student not to have um, any tremendous abilities, intellectual abilities, it would be a given. It would be necessary to say that the student should acquire that seichel. Rather, we are forced to say that the intellect itself is not conveyed. Just an impression of that intellectual idea. So that's what we call a hashpa ruchnis. 
and one of the limitations of Ashbar Ruchnis. The limitations of Ashbar Ruchnis is there's a you don't convey the essence of the idea, rather you just convey an impression of the idea. And so you're depending very much on the innate abilities of the student to be able to uh, make something of it and utilize it. So that's not the case, Masha Enkein Bashbor Gashmi but that's not the case when it comes to a physical transmission, in the case of what we're talking about, through sexual intercourse. When the man and woman engage in sexual intercourse and the man emits semen, then the, in that semen is contained the very essence of the man and the man's identity, his genetic makeup. And if they are blessed with uh, to become pregnant and the child is born, the child is born like a, human, a proper human being. With intellect, with emotions, with all the, with all the, the functions of, the, of a human being. All that there can be. It's a, it's a reproduction, as we call it. You reproduce the identity of the self through the sexual act. The son, the child that is born, is identical to the father. They have very similar um, uh, genetic makeup and just in, in basic abilities as intellect. Emotions can walk, can talk, can uh, can move, um, can smell, can hear. You know, you know. Obviously, there are cases and people are right. unwell. So, um, the man contributes the intellect. What does the woman Whoa. contribute? Just wait. Okay. Wait, wait, wait for the punchline. Vahainu. Why is it the case? How is that possible? That through the production of the semen, it's not a ha'ara. The semen is not a ha'ara of the father. It's not a reflection of the father. It is a condensed form of the father. The father's genetic makeup is condensed into the semen, and therefore it's able to have that impact. And then from it is possible for there to be a whole new existence and creation, unlike in the Hashpah Ruchnis, unlike when the teacher is conveying an idea, you can't produce an intellectual student just by teaching them. They have to have certain faculties and abilities of themselves. Masha Enkein, which is not the case in sexual intercourse and in reproduction. But Adarabah, not only can the father reproduce himself, through the production and the emission of semen in a woman. The child can achieve far greater things even than the father. He, the child can be even better than the father. It's not just a, a carbon copy. It's a reproduction of someone with all the abilities, that, even with the ability to surpass the abilities of the original producer. 
Weinu mit Neisha behaspozu nimsha gami atmos kechis nafshe mamish. Because when the father produces the semen, it's coming, it, it's a condensation. It condenses every single aspect of him, even his most essential abilities. Sometimes even abilities which the father himself has not yet developed. It's all packaged into the drop of semen. So the father has abilities which he himself has not tapped into. But that also gets transmitted through the semen. That once you tap into those uh, foundational, essential abilities of the soul, you can produce phenomenal, uh, exultant things. Like was discussed at length in the Maimah Samach to Samach, and in the Maimah the Hukachosim from Topish and Zayin, these are the Maimorim which the Rebbe Rashab said at the Chasna of the Friedrich Rebbe, which was just over a year before the Hemshech of Renat, in Elul Tofish Nuzayim. Vahashpozu nimsheches betipa gashmi estak. Now, this is the uh, strange thing. You would think that something which is more profound would be more abstract. The more profound something is, the more detached, more abstract, the more uncontained it would be. What do we see? That in order to convey essence, what is the medium with which to convey essence? Specifically through something which is physical. Unlike the teacher who wants to convey an idea, a lofty, something quite profound, even if he wants to convey the essence of an idea, he doesn't have the tools to really communicate that. There's nothing physical in which he can really... Um, convey that. But the essence of a person, you would think, if you can't do that through an idea, the essence of a person would be even more removed from potential transmission and conveyance. But instead, we find that the specifically through the production of the physical semen, you're able to convey this these essential qualities. Why? If you want to get to the very core of something, the essence of something, the only way it cannot be conveyed in an abstract, what we might call ruchnistic way, spiritual way, but don't think of it in spiritual sense. Think of it in something that is um, um, of the same ilk, meaning that Giluyim, what are Giluyim? What, are, what is Ruchnis? Ruchnis is something, it's, it's, it's a reflection, just like we had in the Moshal of um, conveying an idea. You're conveying, um, you're, you're reflecting on something which you can't convey. So, the very tools of um, communication, of sharing, of like Giluyim, of... Um, is uh, is purposely it's 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 acknowledging that it can't say what the thing is. If you want to talk about something, you want to refer to something, you want to reference something, you can talk about it. You can say it's it's like this, it looks like this, it's this size, it's. But what it is, only it itself is it. 
doesn't uh, the uh, we say call etzem built the nature of something which is something essential is that it doesn't uh, it has no need to convey itself it's got no um, insecurities that it needs to what do other people think about me giluyim revelations is all about what other people think about me it wants to it, it, it's the, the the very nature of a gilui is it wants to convey the meaning of something Whereas the essence doesn't care what other, uh, it, because it's essential, it's stable. It has its own identity. It is itself. And as soon as you enter into the realm of giluyim, you enter into the realm of sort of this, this sort of sharing of something. It's not it. It will not be it. As soon as it's shared, it's not it. So what is the thing that is uh, most oblivious um, to? anything other than it is something physical something physical doesn't and something pretty inanimate even though a, a drop of semen is a, is a living thing but within the realm of uh, broadly speaking these things it doesn't have any something physical is a sense of it has its own yeshus has its own identity has its own metzius its purpose in life is not to reflect something else it just is itself so if you want to convey essence, it has to be of something of the same sort and the same order. So bizarrely, in a sense, the the semen is a much more suitable means of communicating essence than would be um, the sharing of an idea. Of the uh, using your your more sublime kleches, or your uh, more abstract and ruchnistic kleches, it's specifically something physical. And we see this. Um, referred to in the Sefer Yitzira, the Nod Tchilosam Besef and Davka, that the beginning is lodged and uh, lodged in the end specifically. Like if you look in the Hemshech of Samach the Samach of Rishon and Zion, it talks about this at length. So, and this is going to be a key feature of uh, the Maimarim going forward. This idea that just because something in the usual hierarchy of things is placed at the bottom. Um, such as the physical vis-a-vis the essential nature of the self um, it's specifically what is most secondary and peripheral seemingly in the hierarchy of things that is the main means of communication okay so that is the difference between Ashpa Ruchnius and Ashpa Gashmis all seemed good till now but that doesn't help us with our moshal of case. In the, the moshal of case, we said, we want to understand, we, we refer to chasen and kala. As far as I know, chsanim, just by producing semen, men by producing semen, cannot produce, reproduce children. There's, uh, there has to be a woman involved, right? There has to be a kala, there has to be the mother of the child, not just the father. So what role does she play? Omnam, however, Just by emitting semen, you're not going to reproduce. There won't be any new children from the ejaculation of semen. Ki'im, it's only when 
the semen is contained within the womb of the female, and she holds on to it. Then it is possible for there to be reproduction of a child that will be comparable to the father. And it's on this that it says in the Gemara in Nida, that a woman was given a greater measure of bina than a man. Meaning that specifically in her was given this ability, this power to reproduce children, reproduce human beings. That through the semen being staying in the womb of the woman, there will be the reproduction and the creation of a child in a, a full and healthy way. 248 limbs and 365 sinews. And all of the human qualities of intellect, emotions, etc. This quality was not given to a man. A man does not have the ability to produce children. Women are given the ability to produce children. And this is uh, what the Gemara means when it says, Bina Yaseirin Nabisha. Woman was given greater levels of Bina. Bina is, as we're going to see, is the, why, why specifically Bina? We'll discuss soon. Um, but briefly, just like in Chachma and Bina, Chachma is just seen as a seminal point of an idea. And Bina is the elaboration, the expansion, and the, and, and, and the development of the idea. Similarly, too, in the sexual union, the man just provides a drop of semen, but it's the woman who elaborates and expands upon it and produces the child. So if the man comes from Chachma, surely he should also have a Chachma Yaseira. If we say that woman needs a Bina Yaseira over man, and because of that, she has a special attribute, and surely a man needs no, a No, she's also from Chachma. He's also, everyone, everyone, everyone who's created in their nefesh has all Esakechus, like we see in Tanya, right? She has Bini Yaseira. She has Bini she Yaseira. She, Yaseira, no? So she, no. She can, she can do something extraordinary and reproduce a child. That's a novelty. Why do you need a man Bechal, then? Oh, good question. Good question. And he's going to deal with it in a second moment. But do you understand where we're coming from? Originally, we were thinking... The man was running the show. The man was right. Everything's about the man. Now, that's just from a few lines, you already said, well, what do you need a man for? Just like he can't produce a child by himself. She also can't produce a child by herself. But the you, you've already seen the, the primary power of recreation, of creation, procreation, is a female quality. Is in a woman, in a kois. So a kois is not merely a recipient, a receptacle. Till now, we were just talking about a kois as it had the power of receiving. So a woman, okay, a woman receives the semen from the man. She does more than that, though. In her role as a, as a kois, she's not just a receptacle. She's a catalyst. She turns something into something else. She recreates a human being. Right? So the word kois now has expanded its, the moshal of kois is now a, a broader moshal. If you just think of kois like a cup of water, um, 
then you just think of it as a receptacle. If you think of it just as, or, or the way we describe Malchus, what does Malchus do? It just receives all of the Keichel Shlamayla Mimena. But through the Moshal of Isha, you recognize that the power of a Kois is much more than that. A Kois has the power to transform something. Not just receive it, transform it. It's a transformative element. So let's just finish the, par the, the paragraph. Even though in the semen of the father is in, incorporates within it the power of creation, has a procreative quality to it, or canal, like we just explained above. But nevertheless, from this alone will come nothing out of it at all. There will be no new creation. It's specifically through the Nukva that procreation is possible. That it's her Koyach specifically. Not his Koyach. Her Koyach. The creation of the child is possible. It's made possible. As an absolute and entirely new human being. And this is this additional quality of Bina that a woman has. She has an additional ability, additional, over and above the man, to create a new entity. Which the man alone does not have. Okay?